The Start On Demand. On demand. Albertans are voting on whether or not to keep daylight saving time year-round. If they vote yes, should Manitoba follow suit? COVID testing starts today in a number of workplaces for the unvaccinated staff. How is Winnipeg School Division doing it? We had a chance to speak with one of our favorite guests, Kelly Keene. She is a personal finance educator. She is a best-selling author and more. And today we discussed how COVID is throwing a wrench into retirement plans. It's Monday, which means our weekly sports chat with Bob Irving. And we had a great chat with a pumpkin farmer near Steinbeck. So that got us talking about, I mean, hey, pumpkins are cool, but they're kind of weird. So we had a lot of fun today talking about the foods we just don't understand. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, October 18th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And I'd like to open by saying thanks to listener Miles, who has been very persistent in inviting me to join him for a round of golf over at Glendale. And that was the last, remember the last week when I uh, was supposed to go with him, but I left my keys here at work, but didn't discover that until I got home 25 minutes later, walking home. Uh, So I had to cancel on him. Well, we made good on it on Saturday. So Miles, thank you very much for having me out. Great time. Great day. Great weekend, Greg. Great weekend. It was spectacular. And, uh, you know, from the Winnipeg is a small town file. You ended up golfing with a friend of a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Just the way it happens in this town, right? Yeah. Two degrees of separation. You generally only have to ask one or two questions about what you do, who you know, where you went to high school, where you grew up, and you find a connection. So uh, it was great to be outside for as often as I was. Got a little bit of raking done. I confess, Loren. The leaves are in piles, but they are not in the brown bags yet. So leave them on the ground. Isn't that what the experts say? Since I heard that interview Some, a few weeks ago, I've I know you're really embracing one. this. I'm really embracing it. The neighbor, <laughs> I don't think, is a fan because I have the, this big tree in her front yard, and the leaves seem to go onto his lawn. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I got told to keep them on the ground, so if you don't like it, you're not to deal with it. Yeah. So you know, he what does. is it? A natural mulch that helps yes. to suppress weeds and fertilize yes. the soil. Yes, much the same way that I'm going to embrace next year. Staining's bad for your deck. I'm embracing <laughs> raking is bad for your lawn. Well, I've heard snow fall. is bad, uh, or uh, snow is good for your concrete of your driveway. The weight is good to keep Perfect. it from shifting. Yeah. So if you keep don't shovel, keep it coming, people. Don't shovel the snow. It, it's really good for that. I remember when I dust had a house. Is a healthy pathogen for your body. Go ahead. I, dust. I'm just saying I'm not going to dust either. I'm <laughs> a study that says dust is good Gross. for you. <laughs> I had, when I had a house, there was one, the, the first winter, I tried. I tried to keep up with it, but I, when we bought the house, I didn't realize how long it was going to, and it wasn't a massive driveway, but it took me two and a half hours to shovel it the first time. We had a big snow dump. And uh, so I just kind of left it to the point where we ended up having this like six inches of hard snow 
on the driveway to the point where it became almost it became cumbersome to even try to get the car onto the driveway. So I had to take action and and go out and chop it up. So oh yeah, that's that's yeah. the best chore of any winter chore is chopping up the ice that's accumulated on your driveway. Yeah, it's just better just to uh, keep at it from the get go and and try and get it down to the concrete every time. And you know, there are some people in my neighborhood that oh boy, oh boy, it's really their life's work. Their life's intention is to keep their driveway completely clear of snow and ice, and they do a damn fine job of it, too, uh, I must say. Yeah, so for those people who who have that kind of work ethic, I salute you. I certainly do not, and that's why I don't ever want to buy a house again because, wow, I, I'm terrible at it. But, Loren, on the subject of the good weekend, uh, you you went to the maze? Amazing corn? I did. We went yesterday just because it was that perfect fall day, and I wanted to get outside and... And uh, we don't live far from there, so and it was it was beautiful. So many people. Um, we did the maze a few different times because they have the. Of course, you just try to finish it, and then there they have within it signs hidden of uh, Olympians, Manitobans that went to the Olympics, and then you can try to find all ten signs. Did you amazing corn? No, I think we got six. It was it defied logic. Like we are like my my oldest son and I. We were sure we had visited every corner of the maze. We're like, no, nope, it's just they're not here. They're tricking us. Let's get out of here. And we went and had some chicken fingers. But I, it was never, great. I have never completed one. I've only done it no. a couple of times, but I, ne- I have not even come close to completing that scavenger hunt. And I felt the same thing. Like, where are these things hiding? No. Well, first we did the outer circle. You know, like we'll go to the edges. We'll just do all the edges and we'll sort of just work our way in and we'll step on the outside. Go, where have we not hit? The middle. Let's go right to the middle, you know? It it was fun. It was fun, but I, I I feel like there can't be ten things for me to find. It just can't be true. I never asked. I but I but it was a beautiful day, and I like getting out there and the hilarious little animals they have at the petting zoo. And I was in awe of the people buying pumpkins, and I usually buy one or two just to decorate with the kids every Halloween. But there were people like they they have those carts like those IKEA style almost carts where you can load up with as many pumpkins as you want, and people are buying 10 15 20 and i'm just like i was curious i wanted to stop and say what is this for like decoration are we stacking them are we eating them are we doing something with the seeds is there like a oil in here i don't know about that you're gonna create to rub all over your body and this is like the elixir of youth like i don't know what people are doing with all these pumpkins this time of year you can't decorate 20 of them is there you a second? Is there a secondary pumpkin market going on? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> like, are them? they stocking up, and then are they yeah. reselling them? Are they yeah. showing up on Kijiji? Uh, we've heard in years past that pumpkins have been fairly expensive. What about this year? What's the what's the pricing like? Do you know? Like, uh, share with us your expertise on on pumpkin, whether it's uh, pricing or what is happening with all these pumpkins. I, I, I need to know as well. Uh, and do you really know, like, this is the thing you buy once a year. Ooh, that pumpkin's pricey compared to last year. Do you remember <laughs> what you paid one year ago for the thing you buy once a year? I don't think so. It depends how many you're buying. If you're buying them by the gross, I suspect you probably know the price. If you're Ugh, buying three or four. these people home. What are you doing with these pumpkins? What happened to your journalistic uh, integrity and your, and your prowess, Loren? I, I got to ask, what is going on here? Yeah, I, you're right. Next time, I should just follow someone home from the maze today, and I'll figure it out. So at 9.35, we're actually going to speak to a pumpkin farmer. Farmer, We're going to uh, Penner Pumpkin in Steinbeck just to find out what the season's been like and, and beyond Halloween and seeds and pumpkin pie. And I love how you've put this on our schedule here, Loren. What else are they gored for? Nah. <laughs> 
I think I stole that from Chef Gordon Bailey. Uh, we've had him on a few times from RRC Polytech, and uh, he uh, he thinks pumpkins are great and they're good for a lot. I think he introduced me to that pun, but I don't get it. Beyond the jack-o'-lantern and maybe a handful of seeds, you can't convince me that's a vegetable I need to keep around. You can't. I can't. I just can't believe how many things they've turned into pumpkin spice this and pumpkin tasting that. and pump- You can get pumpkin-flavored chips. I saw them at uh, the at Safeway the other day. I think they were, I don't know if they were chips or, but they're just, it, it, the pumpkin craze is overwhelming, but I do enjoy the, uh, the decorative function at the very least. But you know nothing's happening without the addition of cinnamon. That's what I was so going to say. It's not the cinna- pumpkin flavor. Give You're cinnamon not like, its oh, due, it's okay? Pumpkin. Like naturally flavored pumpkin. I like the natural pumpkin flavor. You're not playing pumpkin without a little bit of There's cinnamon like in the background. nutmeg in there, some brown sugar. Don't tell me it's the pumpkin that you're in for. That's like people who say they're into seafood because they like seafood. You like the butter. <laughs> you like the salt. It's not, oh, just this crab raw on its own is just... I'm not convinced. I don't know that I ever would even be able to identify pumpkin flavor on its own. And now that you mention it, Greg, with the cinnamon <laughs> adding, although pumpkin beer is pretty good if you've ever had that. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, it's not an all. It's not an all night drink, but I like to. If they got pumpkin beer on tap, I'll give one a whirl. Nice way to start off the night. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we're talking pumpkins. We have bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game. Against BC, so we're going to talk about pumpkins and other weird foods that you might not really understand. Also, heads up, the big bomber bash, the grand prize is to be given away just after 7.15. Maybe the winner is you. Mm. Find out next hour. Exciting stuff. But right now we want to talk about how ditching the practice of switching the time twice a year may seem like a no-brainer to some. But Alberta psychologists are warning that the result of the provincial referendum could have consequences people might not expect. Because the Daylight Saving referendum is on the ballot alongside Alberta's municipal elections today. This feels as though it's something we've discussed many times over the years, Brett, Loren. And what's in this next report from Lisa McGregor of Global News has me absolutely jaw on the floor. A yes or no vote might be too simple for what's at stake. When you're voting yes, remember that you're voting to have two hours of of darkness at the start of your day. Waking up to the government's time change proposal means permanently switching to summer hours and no longer turning clocks forward in March and backward in November. For many, the biggest issue with daylight saving time is having to change your clock and potentially lose sleep. But what would it actually look like? Two hours of darkness at the start of your day, your physiology doesn't catch up to the day and time. So your body will be tired, you'll be tired on the way to work. Uh, you won't be hungry in time to eat breakfast before work. Currently, the sun rises at 8.27 a.m. in the winter and sets at 4.18 p.m. If you vote yes to the daylight saving time referendum question at the ballot box, that means the sun would rise at 9.27 a.m. and set at 5.18 p.m. U of A psychology professor Dr. Kyle Mathewson says the effects of a darker start to your day include an increase in obesity, heart attacks, mental health problems, and hundreds of millions of dollars a year in costs added to the health care system. He says the ballot question is too general for people to know exactly what they're voting for. A third option might have been a better ballot question or um, 
uh, listening to health researchers and having the option to pick the permanent winter hours instead of the permanent summer hours. So do voters understand the referendum question? Not really, no. I just had to look it up to find out. I think it's a no-care question. It, it really doesn't have any impact one way or the other. Uh, I think it should be not a public decision, but a you know expert decision. I think we need more information to be able to make that decision. If the majority vote yes to this referendum question, that change would happen after the fall of 2022. Lisa McGregor, Global News. Man. First of all, the, we, from all accounts, this is going to be a yes vote. You know, lots of polls that have been done prior to today's referendum, which as an aside also has a vote on the whole uh, big constitutional question on should they maybe make an equalize pay, equalization payments to other provinces, which I also think most people don't understand. Oh, yes. The, the line that stood out there for me uh, from the quote in that story was, should this be a public decision? Or an expert decision. And isn't that what you hire, you know, you vote for the politicians who then do the consultancy reports to then listen to the experts. And so here we are in a time of COVID where we're screaming, let's listen to the experts. And then then we're going to take something that's going to like that line of obesity and heart attack and depression and all the things that could come with changing, like making this permanent change. Man, the experts are saying don't do it. And we're all going to be like, ah, but I want to change the sunset. You know, I just, I'm confused. I'm more confused now than I maybe was before. Like I get the, I get the appeal of talking about this and I get the annoyance people have with changing their clocks, Brett. I I get that, but you're so annoyed that you want to permanently alter your circadian rhythms. Well, and it's funny too when you talk about uh, you know you're you're gonna if you vote yes then you're voting to start your day two hours. I realize we are an exception to this rule, but I've been up yeah, for four hours. Yeah. I've been up for four hours and it's dark. So I mean, I guess that's why it's harder. That's you know what I've been having a hard time losing weight. I'm just gonna blame it on the darkness, Greg. I can't lose weight because <laughs> it's dark go. outside. Okay, well that's good. Um, I'm going to join you in that declaration. But what had my jaw on the ground was the fact that this expert was suggesting that we should be entrenched in standard time 12 months of the year if that's what we're looking to do because we typically hear about the tired, the fatigue, the disruption to our circadian rhythm with regard to and attached to moving the clock. So many of us are tired of that. I count myself in that group. But the idea of making it standard time and giving up our late evening daylight hours in manitoba i don't have any doubt that that would that would cause huge uproar in this part of the country so i just yeah i was shocked to hear this expert suggest that if we were going to lock in it should be in standard time not in daylight saving time i don't even quite frankly sometimes know which time i'm in at the best of days because every time i send emails out (laughs) emails out right to experts to come on our show i might be asking somebody in the uk we've asked people in australia and you're always like what time is it and i always just write this would be for central time eastern time because i get so confused with it all but more than that like what studies have been done in the jurisdictions that have made this shift because saskatchewan is it not in permanent standard time permanent right so what do we learn from the people of saskatchewan i think greg you'd argue they're not better off 
Greg? That's not a scientific statement, but I mean. You know how I feel about Saskatchewan, <laughs> but I've also conceded many times that my apparent disdain for Saskatchewan is often jealousy of the things they do better than Manitoba, and this is one of them. They're smart enough to realize changing the clocks is archaic. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up at 9.35 today. We're going to talk about pumpkins with a pumpkin farmer. Find out how the season's going. And beyond Halloween or seeds and pie, what else are they gourd for? So, but that got us thinking, like, the pumpkin is a weird food, right? So what are the other foods out there that you might not get or you just don't understand? Like, how does this doesn't make sense? Like, when I'm in the grocery store... And I look at, like, the, the vegetable section is a land of mystery for me because there are so many weird-looking vegetables. Like, when I see a rutabaga, I have no idea what you would do with that. So, or, like, a, the ginger root? How would somebody ever look at a ginger root and say, I'm going to eat that, right? So We got real hungry. Bit into it, we're like, I think I'm going to add some chicken with that. Yeah, so, anyway. Um, or maybe there's a food that you find baffling in the sense, like, how can you like this? Like, Greg, for example, you hate dill pickles, right? I do not like dill pickles. I've had exactly one pickle in my life willfully. It was, uh, 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 I kid you not, my mom decided for some reason or not I was not allowed to get up from a dinner table until I finished this pickle that was attached to a meal we had. I was nine years old, maybe ten. It was the night of a playoff hockey game. I was a goalie at the time. Anyway, I ate the pickle. I got a shutout that night. It's known as the pickle game in our family. <laughs> <laughs> and one would think that I would eat pickles every single day after that experience. Uh, however, I do not. Okay. Well, I, I like pickles, but Greg doesn't. So there you go. So text us at 204-780-6868 about the foods you don't understand for a chance to win bomber tickets for Friday's game against BC. Adrian McMorris in for Jeff Braun today. Let's start with you, sir. All right, I just want to say, first of all, the gourd joke was just a home run. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> nice work. Full credit to Loren on that one. <laughs> I think, I'm sure I stole that from someone. So, <laughs> Well, that sounds a little seedy to me. Anyways, oh! moving on. Um, I don't understand beef tartare one bit. Yeah. I don't get it. I've had it. It's good. But I was terrified eating it. Terrified I would get sick. I'm just looking at it now. Well, now why were you it, scared? Well, it's raw. It's yeah. raw. It's raw beef. It's raw beef with like raw egg and yeah. like capers and all other kinds Worcestershire. of delicious stuff. All kinds of other yeah. delicious stuff. Well, the all raw kinds egg of is delicious fine. Stuff. I mean, if you guys have seen Rocky, I mean, I've drank raw eggs before too to get you know to get a workout going or to get a breakfast going. But you have I have? I've put five raw eggs in a glass and drank them when I was in a rush. I've done it a few times. Uh, but the raw the raw meat for tartar, I was terrified the whole time eating it. I I was just so scared of getting sick. I don't get it. Okay. I don't want to do it. Ugh. Not you never again. No, never again. Only once, and that was enough. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? So many things, quite frankly, that are on this list for me. Uh, and I love pickles, by the way, Greg. I eat them daily. I I don't get, and I don't know if it's just because they were added to too many dishes growing up, like, and not from my parents, but just people would bring dishes over, like the Jello mixed with marshmallows or Jello salads with carrots. But I don't get marshmallows. They don't. I don't like them. Oh, I don't like them by themselves. Gross. I don't like them in a dessert. I don't like them when they're whipped together to with Rice Krispies to make Rice Krispie squares, which is just two ingredients. I don't like them. 
Yeah, at, I, at all. I hate the marshmallow too. Hate them. Uh, good call. Yeah, the only use that I, I have for them is uh, if you know, Greg, you gave me a rice krispie square the other day. I don't know where you got it, but uh, it was good. I'm like, yeah, there's marshmallows in here. I'll take that. But marshmallows are on the fire. I'd rather eat nothing. Portraits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll have to chopped herring. Now, have you ever had chopped herring before? Chopped herring. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm an unabashed pickled herring enthusiast. <laughs> And so you take pickled herrings, and Greg, really, really listen to this because you're going to love this. It's chopped into like a paste consistency. You put pickles in there. You put apples, other kinds of magic ingredients as well. I'm not sure what's in there. I don't really want to know. And I was hesitant to eat it at first with its greenish-gray look to it, but I ate half a loaf of bread with margarine and chopped herring, and I absolutely love it. Probably celery in there somewhere, too. <laughs> I think you like, what is it, four vegetables, Greg? Yes, four. I think that, and That's not an exaggeration. I think there's four. It's uh, yellow, red, and orange peppers and raw carrots. <laughs> and only the baby carrots, right? That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, you, you like corn, too, right? Is that, is yeah, that correct? that's okay. true. That's okay, there's lettuce. Five. five. Well, lettuce is the th- water. Crunchy, yeah. Yeah. It's crunchy water. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dame Drops, but he's a guy on YouTube who sits in his car yeah. and does food reviews outside of drive-thrus, and he refers to lettuce as uh, crunchy water. So uh, there you go. I mean, I guess it is sort of, it's just a conduit. It's a delivery mechanism for ranch dressing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see Crystal's text just now? Uh, Crystal texted to say, stuffing. What was the person thinking when they thought wet bread in a turkey's <laughs> hoo-ha was going to be tasty? Hey, I love stuff. They had good instinct, apparently. It works so well. That was the so best. many levels. When my mom made turkey, all I cared about was the skin. And the stuffing. You order that. Stuffing is good, like, separately, like, if you make it and set, but it, if it hasn't soaked in the bird, uh, it's just not the same. Forty, what about you? It's combinations, like uh, pickles and uh, peanut butter. Oh. Some people make pickle peanut butter sandwiches. I don't oh. get that. I, I get banana peanut butter, but pickles? No. Have you tried it? No, I, I don't want to try it, actually. <laughs> it might be good. Well, I should be more open-minded, though, but uh, no, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I find that weird. And something that my mom does, I'm going to throw her under the bus. Uh, <laughs> she, she dips a bun into milk and eats it. What? Oh. Oh, well, okay. That's I know, I just, like, yeah, but you're just making soggy bread. <laughs> but it's, well, it's milk. It's not just water. That's akin to the uh, the mother that was dipping the uh, chicken fingers into her Coca-Cola at the U.S. Open a few years uh, ago. Yeah, oh, that's that. weird. Got caught on camera doing that, and then it became a craze. Uh, I'm going to ask an unpopular question. I like guacamole, but beyond that, I don't get the avocado love. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, am boy. I crazy? I am, aren't I? I, I don't know that I'd say crazy, but I like uh, I like avocados. Yeah. I don't like paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Tell us about the food you don't understand, or maybe there's something you just don't get. Like, why do you like this? How do people enjoy this garbage? Tell us a story for a chance to win bomber tickets. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder that we are asking you to text us about the food that you don't understand for a chance to win bomber tickets for Saturday's game. I had my dates mixed up. I thought the 23rd was Friday. It's Saturday. So the game is for Saturday, so we've got tickets for that. And the Big Bomber Bash 
for that game as well. We're giving it away in our next segment. So we'll give away the bomber tickets at 915. Big bomber bash in our next segment. Judy, for example, saying anything with tentacles. Octopus, squid, won't do it. Can't make me. (laughs) Well, what's ridiculous with my lengthy list of foods that I... That I will not eat. You love seafood. I love seafood, but get yeah. this. I also love escargot. Yeah. Which it's makes no man. which makes it's no scrapes sense. along the bottom of the water scrape, scrape, fills its belly, and you're like, I wanna get on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, th- there's no explaining my my taste in food. I detest like no, I don't detest, but I, I will not eat an apple, but apple pie, yeah, give me like a half oh a gosh. pie. Like it, it's bizarre. <laughs> I think I we can't need to make a list of it. things he actually eats, Brett, versus what he doesn't eat. Oh, that's much easier. <laughs> much easier. So keep those texts coming for a chance to win. I think I I had it in my head the entire time that the game, the Big Bomber Bash game was Friday. I, I wonder how many times I've said that over the last couple of weeks. Anyway, thanks to our listeners for pointing that out. We appreciate that. Uh, you keep us on our toes. So we, you're part of the family. Keep us on our toes. It's not clear. What impact the COVID-19 vaccine mandate will have on staff in some professions where they either have to show proof of two doses or start regular testing as of today. And there are a wide variety of professions who fall under this mandate. Healthcare, personal care homes, some core government jobs, some jobs in justice, as well as teachers and early childhood educators. The list of designated staff was originally set by the province, but there are other places like Crown Corporations that have also gone ahead and added their own vaccine mandate. We know there's a percentage of staff that have chosen not to be vaccinated. What will become clear today, Loren, is just how many of those also refuse testing. Yeah, because again, October 18th today is when testing has to start and everything from schools to that long list of places that you listed there, Greg. And so one thing I think that seems to be taking some people by surprise, on Friday we talked a lot about the personal care homes, particularly in the Southern Health area, where they're worried about a shortage of staff because of those who refuse to be tested. And some people were like, hang on, is this allowed to happen in the healthcare setting? To be clear, it's not. It's not allowed. Here's what Shared Health has to say. Those who won't prove they're vaccinated or get tested can't go to work. Quote, they won't be paid, can't use bank vacation, stat holiday or overtime, and no pension contributions will be made during their absence. So to be clear, vaccine mandates, at least in the healthcare setting, are not new. Since 2006, every new hire at the WRHA has to prove they've been immunized for rubella, measles, and hepatitis B. And if you don't have the chickenpox vaccine, you have to undergo regular testing. So that's under, I just wanted to say this because we went looking for it. So it's policy number 204200. In it, it says non-compliance may result in termination of the newly hired healthcare workers' employment. And for students, it may also result in declination of placement. So even for students entering the field, it's a requirement, along with a similar policy over at Shared Health. And we wanted to bring this up this morning, Greg, because, you know, we're not comparing apples to apples here when it comes to the different vaccines or the different diseases. But it's not as though suddenly... At least in healthcare, there's there are people saying, "Wait a minute, we shouldn't be mandating anything." When we know that mandates have existed in the healthcare profession at least since 2006 for any new hires in the WRHA and Shared Health. Absolutely, and that's been the perception, the conception for many people. Uh, if you search social media, any of these discussions, people will bring that out. 
you know, you can't even do this job, that job, without having these vaccinations. This goes back some time. In Manitoba, you were kind enough and skillful enough, Loren, to bring the policy uh, to the fore here and to tell us that it's been since 2006. There are also conceptions that you cannot enter, you know, Elementary school, kindergarten, without a certain list of vaccines that you've had. I know we just got a letter a couple of weeks ago that suggested one of the boys was behind on their vaccines. We've since straightened that out. Now, there's not necessarily a mandate that he have those vaccines, but it is something that is tracked in schools, and they do alert you to the fact that you may be behind on this uh, vaccine, and they want you to get that taken care of. And I guess the biggest head-scratcher for me, Brett, is the fact I can understand. I've conceded. Look, you've made a decision. You don't want to get the vaccine. There's a whole discussion there. But why on earth would you... Decline a COVID-19 test in order to continue working. I don't, that I don't understand. Loren, should we be looking at uh, vaccine mandates elsewhere? Well, I think as we move through this and hopefully get through this, I think that has to be part of the conversation. Again, I understand we're not comparing, no disease is the same, no vaccine is the same. Flu vaccines, for example, have different efficacy depending on on the year and what's made that year and what they're looking at and what sort of strain they're targeting. So I understand it's a year to year conversation, but I was surprised that when my kids started school, that wasn't a requirement. I assumed they had to be. And, you know, yes, they put those letters home, Greg, saying if you're on target or behind, but there's no requirement. And in fact, on just Ontario and New Brunswick are the only two provinces in this country that have required vaccines in schools. So you have you are mandated in those provinces to vaccinate your kids for things like rubella, chickenpox, measles, like that list of um, vaccines that many of us have. And so I, I do think we're going to have to seriously talk about this because it's now opening up that idea that, oh, wait a minute, well, where is this already happening? Why isn't that already happening? Mm-hmm. And if there's proof, especially for these diseases, like measles has gone through a wide range of concerns in various pockets of both this province and North America. There were outbreaks a few years ago, and that was in part because the vaccination rates for measles were low and in some cases deadly in some parts of North America. And so, you know, I think we need to revisit this. I'm not looking to have an argument with someone about mandating everything, but here we are in this new world where we're having these talks all the time about what our jobs are going to require, what what might be required for our children. And so therefore, I think going forward, we need to look at a long list of other things. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, it is time to announce the grand prize winner for the Big Bomber Bash. Mm -hmm. Loren, what does the winner get? Okay, so you get the Bomber Party Deck for you and 19 of your friends to this Saturday's game against the BC Lions. 20 Blue Bomber Hats. Game day food, $250 drink credit, four parking passes to bring you and 19 of your friends to the game, Greg. All right. I'm not dialing the phone here. I'm. We're entrusting this to Master Jeff Forche, if you please. Jeffrey? We're going to try and get a hold of our winner. One ringy dingy. It's always a crapshoot when we try to do this live, right? Come on, answer. If your phone's ringing, answer it. <laughs> Hello? Hello there. Is that Scott Kirk? Kirk Scott, yeah. Kirk Scott. Oh, the other way. Okay. All right. Well, hey, (laughs) Scott Kirk, Kirk Scott. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. 
Who? Hello. Can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you. I hear music in the background now, too. Okay. Okay. So, Mr. Scott, it's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb from 680 CJOB. Oh, I, I know what this is about. What is it about? <laughs> bomber Bash. The Big Bomber Bash. You are the winner, sir. Sweet. Well done. Well done. Kirk, well yeah. done. Thank you Have you already much. made your list, Kirk? Like, who's on the list that gets to go? Have you decided? Uh, actually, no, because I really didn't expect to win. It was just kind of a dream to win it, so <laughs> I'm going to have to get on that. <laughs> 19 of your friends are going to be champing at the bit to wow. join you on Saturday. Oh, that's going to be great. Thank you very much. It's been a great week for Kirk's. Captain Kirk goes to space. Yeah. And now you've won the bomber party deck for you and your 19 friends, Scott. Thanks for this. Yes, thank you. Hey, hey, would you ever consider just like taking two or three people and just hogging all that stuff for yourself? Oh, well, if I can't find a lot of people, it might oh, end up that way. That's a good idea, Brett. I think that's smart. Divide that by four, you know? So yeah, I never thought of that with the two fifty drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kirk go. Scott, have yourself a big bomber bash on Saturday. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> We are excited for this next segment because our interview guest is one of our favorite guests, even though we're about to talk about how a lot of Canadians, Greg, are stressed out about how COVID has put a huge wrench in their retirement plans. No question about it. A best-selling author and personal finance educator, Kelly Keene is with us. Good morning, Kelly. Oh, my goodness. I love being with you, Brett, Greg, Loren. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you know, it's it's hard to keep that uh, optimism (laughs) going here. We're going to talk about what we're going to speak about, Kelly, but you managed to do it. So thank you for bringing this to our attention because, let's face it, there are enough things to be stressed about right now as we uh, continue through this pandemic. Why are Canadians stressed out about retirement, and is there a connection to what's been going on for the last 19 months? Yeah, exactly. No, spoiler alert, right? And guys, we always talk about the stress, but we bring a silver lining to it because, yes, a recent Manulife survey, it's really painting a picture. As we know how stressful this time is, especially when it comes to finances, half of those uh, in the survey are saying that they need to take some kind of financial action because of the pandemic. Two-thirds, no surprise, saying they'd be so much more productive if they didn't have to worry about money. Guys, right? How much more productive would you be if that wasn't looming uh, all of the time in your consciousness? But, I mean, here's the thing, guys. We're talking about retirement, and it's a big, big issue. So many unknowns, so much stress. But here's where the optimism comes in. Some planning, chunking it down, just having a vision uh, and knowing what you don't know Getting some answers to that is going to reduce this stress so much more and just give you some confidence that you can do it. Even if your budget's totally stressed and stretched, you can still do it and make it happen. But you've got to do some planning. 
Kelly, uh, there's two things I wish I had been told when I was, you know, 18 or 19 years old on a superficial level. I wish someone had come to me and said, you have to start putting sunscreen on. This is ridiculous. It'll be, you'll be aging old and looking before you're 40. And then the other would have been take the 50 cents from your chicken Terry's paycheck and put it towards a retirement plan. But for some reason, there's just things that we get stuck on, even at a young age where we're, you know, we, if we had just paid attention or had someone say us, say those things to us at 18, 19, 25, we'd be better off for it now. Oh, Loren, yes, the sunscreen, I totally get that, <laughs> and the savings. And, you know, it's so interesting because we don't even realize that in our 20s and 30s and 40s, you're, you're already setting the stage for retirement planning. Like, what type of career did you choose? Your, your real estate choices, what type of mortgage or, or did you rent, uh, who you married or maybe later divorced, all of this is going to affect your ability to plan for retirement. And, and that is what, what can have you feeling so uncertainty, uh, oh, so much uncertainty is just not doing that planning. And you're right. You know, we're told all of the time that you've got to put this money away early. But, I mean, the reality is those things cost a lot of money as you're going through them. Um, of course, compound interest works in your favor if you can do it. But, uh, you know, you also have to forgive yourself if, if you haven't started retirement planning till 40, 50, maybe even later. It's never too late. There's always something that you can do. It's just all about your priorities and, you know, just figuring out, too, what it is that you want to do in, in retirement. How do you know how much you need to save? Okay, great, great question. Here's the most important thing, Brett, is you've got to start to build a relationship with your future you. Like, where are you going to live? Are you still going to have a mortgage? What kind of expenses are you going to have? And here's the thing, when it comes to expenses, you know, you don't know what kind of medical expenses you're going to have in your retirement. It's impossible to know 10, 20, 30 years from now what you're going to be facing and it's really hard to estimate, but it's so important. And, you know, there's benefits plans like Manulife's Cover Me Health and Dental. Uh, you know, it's going to take care of all of that guesswork of how to budget and calculate for something so important. And, guys, here's what's really important, because I'm talking to so many people who either are changing jobs or they're maybe forced into retirement, and you kind of forget that you're not going to have those benefits when you leave. Um, so it's really, really important that you make sure that you're, rec- you're covered now, but you're also covered in retirement. Kelly, I was just about to ask you, is that the biggest mi- miscalculation for a lot of Canadians? Because we are so blessed in this country and we can debate how you feel about health care, but we don't, you know, d- d- typically have to have to dip into our own pocket for health care. Yes, dental is another issue, but so many Canadians do have that extended coverage through their workplace. Of course, there are some who don't, but is that the biggest surprise ultimately for retirees is that notion that, oh my gosh, I do have to pay for prescriptions now. I do have to pay for dental care. Greg, 100%. And I mean, like, like you just said, you don't know what that's going to be. So many people are going from, you know, employed to maybe gig economy and uh, even, before they get, even before they get into retirement. And you're right, like those kinds of expenses can absolutely derail your retirement or just derail your quality of life. Like what, what would it mean to you to get that psychological support you need if you're really having you know, a difficult time with your mental health or just getting a massage or being able to take care of those things, like you said, that, yes, we take for granted how much support we have in our, our, our country for our health, 
but it's those little things that aren't covered that that really add up so you know you've really just got to look at all of those things try to plan as best you can and then here's what's really important too guys like when you're trying to figure out how to plan for your retirement there's three to four billion dollars that people are leaving on the table in you know matching programs at at their at their you know with their employer um really digging into your pension like if you don't know where to start i mean ideally you get a financial planner on your side call up your banker but even the best thing call up your hr department because there's so much that that people are not digging into leaving free money on the table and then sit down with your spouse. Make sure that you and your spouse, like while you are working, you're not duplicating your benefits plans, for example, at work, that you're not both paying for the same thing. So I know, again, the overwhelm makes us apathetic and do nothing. So please, um, dig into your finances. Make sure you're not double paying at work and make sure you're taking advantage of everything you can if you are lucky enough to have you know, a pension or matching benefits at work. I wonder, Kelly, when it comes to just, you know, the stress that people have around this, if people are even aware what you have at work. Yes, you get those statements, you sign on to the job, they'll say this is part of your pension, and you kind of, for whatever reason, it's one of the biggest parts of your plan when you get a new job, if you're lucky enough mm-hmm. to have that pension. But it seems to be the thing we ignore the most, or at least push to the back burner. 100%. I mean, some people may not even be 100% opted in. So this is perfect time. You don't know. That's okay. You don't need to know. Just get one of those statements. Get the 1-800 number. Figure out who your HR person is. Because I guarantee if you have not looked at your plan, you're, you're not either maximizing it, you're not getting all of those matching programs, or let's say you're in what's very popular right now, which is a defined contribution. That means that you know what you and your employer are putting in, but you don't know what you're going to get at retirement. And what's important about that is there's investment choices underneath what you're in. And if you've never looked into it, you're probably in the default, which is not probably earning a lot, not doing a lot for you. So, yeah, absolutely. Give your person a call. Check in with your pension. Make sure that you're maximizing it. And if it's still really overwhelming, you don't have to navigate it alone. Like I said, get a planner. Get someone at your bank to help. um, You know, watch a YouTube video. This is too important to just leave to feeling overwhelmed. Just one little thing if you tick it off today, call your employer and figure out what you're invested in. It it will pay dividends. The website is kellykeen.com. That's K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N. Her latest book, Talk Money to Me. And you've, that's an updated version of the book, right? Indeed, yes. A new one came out, the pandemic version. We want to help you through all of, all of that, yes. Kelly Keene, thank you so much for joining us. We love chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Even, even though whenever we talk to right kids, yeah, I'm mega stressed. I'm like on my web, I'm trying to log into our pension thing under our... I'm sending an email to HR right oh now. Oh my gosh, I'm so, I feel sick to my stomach. I'm like, hang on, I think I might be in the default plan. I think that's the worst plan. I'm yeah. to I, I don't even know where to go to, to find that I'm going to be gone for an hour and a half, guys. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking like, uh, you know, I'm... When you talk about people who kick that can down the road, I am the yeah. absolute worst offender. I am uh, sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not right. happy with myself. I love Kelly, but I am sweating. Like I- this 
want to quickly read this text from Dave. Uh, <laughs> we're asking you to tell us about the foods that you just don't get for a chance to win bomber tickets for Saturday's game against BC. And Dave says, I have no idea how they decided to eat fish eggs, a.k.a. caviar. Like we're a couple of guys drinking and fishing and they caught a sturgeon and then they saw some stuff oozing from the fish and decided, hey, let's eat that. I've tried caviar and it's gross and it costs a fortune. I don't get it. Don't get it either. It's on par with the escargot, which I do eat the caviar I've never tried. I I don't know. Maybe that just comes from the days and times, Loren, when you simply used every ounce of of the fish or the animal that you were uh, hunting or or, or fishing for. And that makes sense, but then at what point did it become, now let's make it something hoity-toity. I don't know why I'm doing a British accent here, but I just picture that the way that going that way. It's bizarre how suddenly the food becomes high-end when it's seemingly low, 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 low. It's the low, it's the, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And you know, like lots of things, caviar is hard to eat because you know what it is. Like, like when you know what you're eating, it doesn't taste good to me. If I didn't know, would I think the same way? I wonder. Let us know, 204-780-6868, about the foods you just don't understand for a chance to win. Those bomber tickets will give them away just after 9.15. But in the meantime, as Will Reimer was saying in Adrian McMorris's newscast, two school gyms in Winnipeg's largest school division will be used to test unvaccinated staff within the Winnipeg School Division for COVID-19. So testing for unvaccinated staff starts today in a wide range of workplaces, including for staff at schools. Although we know there are some places that started it several days ago to try to get a head start on this. So in the WSD, as you said, Brett, the testing is going to be done at Grant Park High School and TechVoc High School. And the testing is going to happen during non-working hours, but that has had some students and their parents or guardians asking whether these testing clinics will then impact any after-school activities that would take place in those gyms. To join us and to answer these questions for us, Radine Carter, Senior Information Officer for the Winnipeg School Division. Good morning, Radine. Good morning. So if you'd be so kind, can you share with us the logistics behind these and connected to these clinics? And maybe at the same time, you could tell us why you chose these two specific locations. Sure, and really the logistics have been like a uh, military operation try and get this organized. We are the largest school division in the province, and so we have the most um, employees. And so when you look at the percentage of employees who have chosen not to be um, uh, vaccinated and instead will have to have that testing done every week, uh, our percentage is is quite high compared to others. We're at about 10% of our employees, which works out to about uh, 450 regular full-time permanent staff. That doesn't even include the number of substitute um, employees that we are also uh, providing the the um, um, testing facility to. So what it is really is that once a week, the employees who choose to be tested instead of getting vaccinated, they have to have their test done under observation to make sure that they're doing it right and then just to have it recorded that they are in fact getting a negative test. And so that once a week test, um, we decided to hire a third uh, third party health service to to do that for us, but we needed a space big enough that could accommodate uh, 450 plus substitutes, which I don't, sorry, I don't have that number right now, um, people throughout a week. And we also wanted to find a space within Winnipeg School Division that 
wouldn't have anybody walking through a school that they could access um, the space from outside. And that's our two gyms at TechVoc and uh, Grant Park. So we don't really have a choice about um, providing this option to have the third test observed on site within the Winnipeg School Division. Um, I think, though, that there's been some misunderstanding about the fact that it is not going to um, affect students or their extracurriculars. Um, Well, there will be some impact, but it's not going to make it impossible or not happen at all. So how is that? Because I'm picturing gyms after school are often really busy places for the students. So if this testing is happening at least once a week in off-school hours, what is the possible disruption that you know of right now? Right. So regular gym classes will go on as scheduled. The the gyms are fully open to students and staff during the day. Uh, They're open for um, morning practices, which are pretty common, and noon um, intramurals or other kinds of events that happen at noon. Right now, like for the next few weeks at least, the Monday to Friday 4.30 to 9.30 slot is going to be used for this testing. That's how many, schedule, that's how many tests we have to schedule, and we need the space and, you know, the physical distancing and everything. We do need that big of a space. We, just don't, we simply don't have it anywhere else in the school division to be able to provide that kind of space. Um, so the one thing that will be possibly impacted would be varsity volleyball, and the only thing that's going to happen there is that we're going to have their home games at uh, one of the nearby gyms that that you have to go through the gym to, school to get into it, so we couldn't have used those as an alternate for um, for the testing sites. So the varsity volleyball will will continue, and they will have their their uh, home home. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not a sports person. <laughs> They'll have their home um, advantage. Yeah. <laughs> their home home court advantage somewhere else at a different school. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's still going to be their home school. Um, they'll still be the home team. Now, the other thing that was kind of raised was, but then also there's a varsity basketball. Well, that's not going to be coming until around Christmas time, and the we're really, really hoping that the numbers of people that are choosing to get uh, tested will reduce to such an extent that we only need to use the gyms maybe a few nights a week instead of all five nights a week. So that's uh, definitely on the radar. Before we let you go, Radian, we only have a few seconds, but we do need to ask, who's paying for this testing? Uh, the test, The first round of tests were provided to us from the federal government, but the school division is uh, having to pay for for all the other costs. Radine Carter is the Senior Information Officer for the Winnipeg School Division, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Radine, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up at 9.35 today. We're going to talk to a pumpkin farmer to find out, you know, hey, A, how's the season been? And B, what do you do with pumpkin beyond, you know, carving them or... Using them for seeds or, or pie. Launching them in, with a catapult across a <laughs> soccer field. Isn't that what we did last year for the pumpkin carving? We just threw it. You went up into the parkade and threw it into the trash? Yeah, from about five floors up. <laughs> Fortunately, I hit the trash can yeah. from up there. Uh, but I'm thinking back, is it uh, Modern yeah. Family? where they? And they both did it. Modern Family had a catapult across the soccer field and it hit their own van. It dented their van. <laughs> And then Michael Scott had the drop, the pumpkin drop from the roof, wasn't it? And it bounced, or was that a watermelon? 
Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember. There was some sort of fruit or vegetable. It bounced off a trampoline and onto uh, Stanley's car. Wow. Nice. Stanley was Trampolines, not they're not bouncy at all. Why would it do <laughs> well, that? He was te- You know, it's a long story. It was stupid. He was testing whether a person could land on the trampoline safely, and so they used a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the office. Oh, Michael. So we're asking you to text us about weird foods because, hey, pumpkins are cool, but they're kind of a weird food. So what food do you just not understand? And GMAC, we got back to back on one particular that just sounds gross. Actually, you know what? I have them in opposite order in the wheel here, but I'm going to read Jess's fir- first. Foods we just don't understand. Jess's first text, by the way. Welcome to the family, Jess. Head cheese. Google it. I was first introduced when working in a deli, and years later, I still shiver at the remembrance of the grinding sound of the meat slicer as it cut through gelatin and leftover (laughs) bits of meat. I don't know how someone came up with the idea for it, and I don't know how anyone eats it. On bread, on its own, one thing I'd be glad to have never been introduced to. Thank you, Jess. And then Liz says, there's a lot of gross things out there that people eat, and one of them is head cheese. Garoose, she says. Anything to do with heads, hooves, or body organs? No, no, no thanks. All right. Do you know what head cheese is? Like, just even the picture of it, I'm not sure how people are... Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you stuff it in your face. Yeah, that doesn't look good to eat or taste. Well, you know what? Let's ask our Monday regular guest here, Bob Irving. Bob, do you know what head and cheese is? Have you ever had it? I've had it, but I can't remember what it is. Somebody refresh my memory. I, well, we don't know either. So <laughs> it's, it's basically a bunch of stuff stuck together like in a meat jelly. Yeah, like it's, okay. ma- it's often made from, I think, like a... Like a head of a pig, or maybe oh, a cow. Oh, that looks gross. Okay, I'm turning yeah. down my headphones. It's cold. Now. It's it's not it's not dairy cheese. Like it's not actually cheese. It's just the gelatin. It's sticking yeah. these pieces together. Okay. I don't even know why it's called head cheese. It's <laughs> made of head, apparently, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> it's time gross. for a weekly visit with Bob Irving, voice of the playoff bound nine and one Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, this is feeling pedestrian, but I don't know if we're enjoying it any less. Uh, a week, another week, and another victory for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Blue Bombers are now just one win away from clinching first place in the West and home field advantage for the December fifth Western Final. Do I have? that correct mr irving you have that exactly right mr mackling and it has is become rather uh ho-hum another win uh, seven wins in a row and a, a more difficult one i think than some of the earlier ones they beat edmonton 26 16 on friday they just keep finding ways to win even when some of the parts of their game maybe aren't at their best i think that tells you just how good this team is when they can win when you know they make more mistakes than they'd like to make but uh yeah, the beat goes on, and if they can beat the, the BC Lions here on Saturday in their 6 o'clock game at IG Field, that will clinch first place in the West, which will mean their last three regular season games have no impact on the standings, and it will mean that on December the 5th they will be hosting the West Final, and it would be the first time since 1972 oh. that the Bombers have hosted a West Final. They've hosted a couple of... East Finals in the interim, but the first time in 49 years that they will host a West Division Final. Do you even go back that far? Uh, 72, no, I got here in the fall of 73. There you go. So I just missed out on that last one. (laughs) Well, and we don't want to, you know, uh, dwell on something that happened so long ago, but... 
Bob. Yeah. People yeah. have been suggested that they want to learn more about head cheese by Googling it. Google the 1972 Western Final. It's the one of the craziest finishes yep. in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history, if not league history, correct? I was, I was in Brandon at that time working at CKX, and I remember watching that game, and there are Bomber fans who have not gotten over and will never get over the way the Bombers lost that game. We'll have to have a, a whole show dedicated to that game at some po- point. Bob, just really quick before I turn it over to Loren here, uh, credit where credit's due. The Elks defense, I think, did a pretty good job containing that juggernaut Blue Bomber offense. And uh, would you say this was as challenging a game or the biggest uh, challenge or tough a, a test as the Bombers have had since that uh, late or last ga- uh, last play of the game, rather, uh, missed field goal by the Stampeders in week four? Yeah, I agree with you totally on that. You know, we've been saying all year that the Elks have way too many good players to have the bad record that they have. They're now 2-7. and seven. Going into the season, they were considered one of the favorites in the West, and they played very well on Friday night. They were riding a four-game losing streak, and, you know, they were tired of losing, and they played with a lot of, with a lot of heart and a lot of gusto. And, yeah, it was a very difficult game for the Blue Bombers. But, uh, again, as they always seem to do, the Bombers found a way. So the Elks, you know, I got this alert across my phone yesterday, and it was no surprise to me that they traded their quarterback to the Montreal Alouettes. They didn't dress him for Friday's game, Bob. And so were you surprised by that move, or did that have to be done? Well, I think it had to be done, Loren. You know, there are all sorts of problems in Edmonton, and they're not related to the talent that they have. They're related to some internal issues, some COVID issues, and uh things you you can't even we don't have time to to discuss now and trevor harris clearly had fallen out of favor there uh they don't feel going forward that he's their guy he's 35 years of age which isn't necessarily old for a quarterback but they've just decided to move on they've got a couple of young quarterbacks one in particular taylor cornelius that they like and i think when you bench a player of the stature of trevor harris you've kind of sent a message to him that he's no longer part of your future and so they traded him to montreal a team that has aspirations of winning the East that has lost their number one quarterback probably for the rest of the year due to injury. So it kind of made sense for them to bring in a veteran like Trevor Harris, and maybe he can lead them to the East Division title. Now the Winnipeg Jets, meanwhile, suffered a second straight road loss Saturday night in San Jose. Jets surrendered a 2 nothing first period lead to fall 4-3 to the Sharks. Two games into an 82-game season, some fans are already sounding alarm bells. Bob, what's at the heart of the Jets' issues this early on? Well, I don't think they have any issues to speak of, Brett. You know, they're off to an 0-2 start. It's such a small sample size. Their power play has been terrible. They're 0 for 8 on the power play, and their penalty killing hasn't been very good. I think it's probably fair to say that Connor Hellebuck hasn't been playing quite to the standard that we expect. But, folks, it's two games, two games out of an 82-game season. They outplayed... Uh, Anaheim in the first game and the second game they lost by a goal to San Jose and those two teams are playing their home openers where you know the players are really amped up I think more than normal so I'm not trying to make excuses but uh, after 10 games let's put it this way Brett after 10 games if they're still struggling and are three and seven then you can put a microscope on it and say what the heck's going on here but 0-2, and, and even if they lose tomorrow in Minneapolis, they're 0-3, then people will really, the angst, here, Greg, the angst will really be uh, getting uh, cranked up. But uh, let's, let's wait a few more games before we pass any judgment. No, it's not the perfect start, 
and all the rest of it. But two down, 80, 80 to go. All right, Bob. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll take that on advisement, your advice this morning. How's that? Because I'm one of those who was expecting the Jets to come out of the, the gates uh, all guns blazing and, and with some results here and positively in the standings, and we're not seeing that. Hey, tonight's Coach's Show with head coach Mike O'Shea, 7-8 here on 680 CJOB. Ali Mortada obviously played much better this past week, and uh, I gave unofficially, this was not sanctioned by you or anyone else at CJOB, but I gave the happy honker to Brady Oliveira on uh, Friday night. Was that earned? And and what do you think the top uh, topics of the night will be tonight? Well, uh, the top topic will be the health of Andrew Harris, and I don't think that Mike O'Shea will be very forthcoming because he rarely is about injuries. We don't believe the injury to Harris is serious, but we don't know. Brady Oliveira was fantastic. 16 carries, 105 yards after Harris went down late in the second quarter. You couldn't ask for more. And, of course, every time Brady's had a chance to get any extensive playing time, he's been very good. So that was a real highlight, and I couldn't agree with you more that he was really the star of the game for the Bombers on offense. Bob Irving joins us every Monday after the 8.30 news for a chat on the weekend sports. Mr. Bob, thank you very much. All right, you guys. Have a great day. And once again, GMAC, Coach's Show, what time tonight? 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock right here. On your voice of the Great Cup champions, 680 CJOB. I'm eating M&Ms. You caught me. Well, at least it's not head cheese. Man, we're getting like recipes for head cheese sent to us. Guys, you just cut off a pig's foot, you boil it, then you rip off the face, and you add some pork hocks, and then you just mix it with some garlic and crush some liquid. I don't even know. You're not selling me. Kat, Sheila, Scott, Carol, none of you are selling me on this. Liz? (laughs) No. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks indeed. Mac, what are you doing eating M&M's before the segment's over? Hungry. <laughs> I told you, I didn't eat supper last night. Yeah, that's going to fill you up. My, uh, M&M's. My, uh, my, my, my food schedule was way off yesterday. Six o'clock came around. I realized I hadn't had supper, but I'm like an hour and a half, two hours from going to bed. Well, I'm not eating then, so I woke up famished this morning okay oh well maybe you can try uh the the tot dog today we get a little tour of canada life center good thing i wore something with a jets logo and not a blue bombers logo today <laughs> looking forward to that we're gonna get pictures down at center height so keep an eye on 680 cjob's instagram i'll try to be updating that throughout our tour and uh We'll document this tot dog if we get our hands on it. They told us that they're in the building. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to eat it, but I hope so. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're getting all kinds of great text messages for the contest. Bomber tickets, we're giving them away just after 9.15 based on the foods that you don't understand. And we appreciate all that, but we also appreciate the feedback that you provide on anything we're talking about. And one of the things we're talking about today, Loren, is that testing starts in a number of workplaces for COVID for those who are unvaccinated. Yeah, there's going to be thousands of people potentially on this list. They estimate it in the in the health sector to be maybe as high as 10,000 uh, people who might need the testing. We know that there are per, per division anywhere from just a few dozen to we just turned at 8 o'clock in the Winnipeg School Division, which is, of course, Winnipeg's largest school division, at least 450 full-time staff. That didn't include, you know, the, some of the support workers, substitute teachers that may or may not have chosen to be vaccinated. So there's going to be a lot of people going through this. And we've asked this question to various sectors that are involved in this 
mandatory testing. And the costs are, of course, being incurred by the taxpayer, right? So Radine Carter of the Winnipeg School Division said that the kits, uh, I've just clarified this for her, the testing kits are provided by the province and then all the other costs, um, you know, of the supervised testing, like maybe having a nurse on site, Greg, or having to, you know, have the gym use or whatever, that's all paid for by the division. So add it all up, doesn't really matter. It's all coming out of the taxpayer's pocket. And that has some people upset. You know, a listener like Dave was texting earlier just to say that he doesn't get this. He doesn't understand why the government and school divisions are paying for these tests. If the person cannot get the vaccine due to medical reasons, no problem. But if the person is willing not to, then they should willingly pay the bill. People seem to forget they all got shots when they were children. And let's face it, we have all ingested worse. Okay, so that's... a different part of the argument, Greg. That's about what the vaccine argument. But I don't know. I feel like we still have to pay for this cost right now because we've given people the option. Well, you know, I was... Take the take the vaccine rate or get tested. And so right now I would say ha- we have to pay for that. That's what we've said we would do as a province in terms of how we're going through this. Yeah, I was prepared to disagree with you. <laughs> If you'd, if you'd said that this is something that we shouldn't be paying for. But uh, listen, uh, all of this through the entire time of COVID has been a balance of priorities, a balance of needs. Uh, nobody wanted to shut down the economy. Nobody wanted to do the things, many of the things that we've done over the na- last 19 months. And this is about keeping the system moving. You know, you can have strong beliefs, but one of the ways to keep things moving and to keep kids in school, we've said it's a priority. This is a sacrifice we have to make financially in order to, and we can have all the discussions we want about whether or not people should be taking the vaccines or not, whether or not there should be vaccine mandates. That doesn't matter right now. We're at a point now, a crossroads, where these mandates are in place, and in order to keep our kids in school, we need teachers, we need support staff, and if they're unwilling to get the vaccine, the next best thing is to test them on a regular basis, so that's what we're doing. I don't have to like it, but I think it's what needs to be done in order to keep our kids learning and keep them in a situation that we know is very valuable for them. Feel free to weigh in, 204-780-6868. Our results, by the way, from the question of the day from Friday, uh, which had to do with this topic. Where did I put that? Here we go. If you are working on the front lines during COVID, what should happen to those who refuse to get double vaccinated? 13% voted terminated. 10% said suspended. 11% said as long as they're tested and free of COVID, they can come to work. Uh, An overwhelming 67% say nothing at all. Question of the day for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have Blue Bomber tickets to give away at 204-780-6868 for, your, for Saturday's game against BC, and we have not reached a consensus. So this is where you come in at 204-780-6868. We're each going to make a case for the text that we like, and then you decide. And Greg, why don't you start us off? All right, Jess. Uh, sort of sent us down a path, a very interesting path. Foods we just don't understand. Head cheese. Google it. It was I was first introduced when working in a deli, and years later, I still shiver at the remembrance of the grinding sound of the meat slicers. I cut through gelatin and leftover bits of meat. I don't know how someone came up with the idea for it, and I don't know how anyone eats it on bread, on its own, one thing I'd be glad to have never been introduced to, 
Head cheese. So that's from Jess. So Jess on the head cheese is option A. Option B comes from Dave. We read this one a little bit earlier. Just wanted to share it again. Dave says, I have no idea how they decided to eat fish eggs, a.k.a. caviar. Like we're a couple of guys drinking and fishing, and they caught a sturgeon, and then they saw some stuff oozing from the fish and said, let's eat that. I've tried caviar, and it is gross, and it costs a fortune. I don't get it. So there's Dave. So we got Jess on the head cheese, Dave on the caviar, and Lorena is Highland. <laughs> and I'll admit this one made me laugh too. They all they're all great. It's impossible to pick sometimes. What Loren? What was uh, this about it, lettuce? It just made me laugh. So this listener said, well, "What about a lettuce bun when eating a hamburger? Isn't that just a handheld salad?" <laughs> it makes no sense to me. <laughs> It's a healthy. Is it? I guess it's healthier. It's good. It's not as ja- good as Jess's, though. Are we not supposed to be lobbying for our own? Uh, well, you got to yeah. state your case, but that's not a reason. It's not as good as Jess. State yeah. your case. I think Jess painted a magnificent picture. She grossed us out, and she sent us down a path that we'd never been before. People defending head cheese. Are you kidding me? I have never heard anyone describe the lettuce hamburger the lettuce wrapped hamburger as a handheld salad i think that's funny i think it should go on the menu item as such would you like us to make that a handheld salad and then you'd be like please explain (laughs) we're just gonna wrap your hamburger in salad so you can have a handheld salad that's funny brett go ahead brett i like dave's because he sort of comes along in the same line that i thought where i was saying how did anybody ever decide to take a ginger root like it looks like something that came from another planet Right? How would anybody look at that and go, I'm going to eat that? I'm going to find all kinds of things to do with that. So, we're talking about the caviar. How would somebody decide, I'm going to eat this and it's going to be worth a lot of money? So, here's what we need from you we need you to tell us who's our winner Jess on the head cheese, the handheld salad, or Dave and the caviar. 204 780 Too many head cheeks, cheese sec. Text coming in right now. And she sex, I just about said. I don't even want to know what that would look like. We'll pick our winner and we'll, we will announce you are picking the winner. This text made me laugh. This person says, none of them win. The burger with lettuce is great if you do it right. Head cheese is good. I've never had caviar. Tripe is the winner. <laughs> I remember right. I, I was at Folklorama <laughs> at the Polish Pavilion, and I want like oh. a, I want I like to learn. You know, I want to try everything. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So they they pour, give me a bowl of tripe, and they said, "Do you know? Have you ever had tripe? No. Uh, do you want to know what it is?" I'm like, "Yep, I'm here to learn." And then they said, "What is it? Pig stomach?" And I kind of looked at it and thought, "Well, down the hatch." Let's go. Let's give it a shot. I didn't like it, but not because I learned what it was. It's just the texture was kind of weird. You're still Ugh. here. It looks like the skin, like thick skin. I guess it's definitely the lining of something like a like a tire, or a- <laughs> like a tire tube. <laughs> yeah, it's lining something all right, but it shouldn't be a stomach or in your stomach, as far as I can tell. But it's before, interesting looking. Before we announce this winner, though, I want to make sure there won't be any court challenges to the results here. Like, these are binding, right? We're not going to have any calls for a fixed election. Do I or... agree with these choices? No. Do I agree with our <laughs> listeners today? No. Do I think they lost their funny bone? Yeah. Fuck. They didn't on. like hand salad. But they have unanimous, not unanimously, but It was but close, close to unanimous. There was more votes for caviar than hand salad. So Brett came second. I'm third. Okay, which means, Greg, 
Jess is our winner, and uh, congratulations, Jess. Outstandingly told story. Great pictures painted. As Richard Gluche would say, great job of painting a radio picture for us here on 680 CJOB. And it's your first text. So uh, welcome to the radio family that is the start. And enjoy the bomber game on Saturday, Jess. Congratulations. But we're having this conversation about weird food today because we're talking about pumpkins. Because as cool as pumpkins are, like Halloween, I love October. I think almost entirely because of pumpkins, because it's just such a pretty fall decoration. My apartment block, for example, has set up all kinds of decorative pumpkin displays outside, and it's really nice. Uh, and I love pumpkin pie. But outside, of, I mean, and I guess a lot of people like the seeds, but outside of that, I mean, it's kind of a, a weird fruit. I mean, they, they grow, especially considering, Loren, they, how big they get sometimes. Yeah. They have these pumpkin ch- growing challenges. Yeah. Like, I'm fascinated by them. And I was saying to you guys earlier, I had gone to Amazing Corn with the family yesterday and watched people carting away pumpkins by, like, the dozen. And I <laughs> should have stopped and said, what's the plan with all these? Because you can't, I mean, you can. Some people do carve many pumpkins and they'll do a ton of jack-o'-lanterns they might be baking soups maybe they do the seeds but you know we do want to know what's going on with the pumpkin and so we're pleased to bring on now john penner at penner pumpkins farm store in the steinbeck area good morning john Uh, good morning yeah john here how are you doing we're good thank you i i know this operation started with you and your wife and now your daughter has essentially taken over the pumpkin biz she couldn't come on today i think she's got an exam of some sort for school but she cornered you into doing it so first of all thank you for taking the time well thank you very much so as i understand uh, it started yeah go ahead no go ahead you have about four acres is that right yeah roughly uh, roughly four acres yep Mm -hmm. so how many pumpkins does that get you every year Oh, that gets a heck of a lot of pumpkins. I don't count them by the pumpkin, but if we think of a trailer loads, um, I would say, uh, like, if you take a regular car hauler trailer, seven feet wide, 20 feet long, two feet high, probably four or five loads like that per year. That sounds like a lot of pumpkins. So what makes a good pumpkin, John? Help us out here. If I'm if I'm searching for a pumpkin for a jack-o'-lantern, is it different criteria than if I'm looking to consume what's inside or is there are there tricks in figuring out which one is better for harvesting the seeds and in, inside like a, do you knock it do you shake it what do you do you know some there's different species available and in fact uh, like uh, you mentioned before larissa took over the pumpkin growing roughly five years ago and she's totally in charge of it and uh, <clears throat> excuse me at this time she will go roughly 60 different species of pumpkins and winter squash and uh, we used to think that pumpkins had to be orange. Like, that's what we were taught back in school. And right now, there's white, there's tan, there's blue, bluish tint, green, knobbies, warty, you name it. And uh, when people come out to pick a pumpkin for carving or for decorations, they will actually spend more times on picking pumpkins than the average family will on picking a Christmas tree. <laughs> I think you're right. No, with the the different colored pumpkins, do they produce like the the whatever comes out of there in terms of consumption? Uh, is there any difference to it? Uh, yes, it would be. There's some that are a lot meatier than others. Okay, um, like a lot less of the uh, of the goo inside. Okay, um, there's some that are a lot heavier with seeds. Like if you want to uh, roast uh, seeds, there's some that are very very heavy with the seeds. Okay. And uh, what has happened, though, a lot of uh, pumpkins that we do sell would be for the decoration, like up front on the porch, 
and uh, a lot of people come by and buy a couple of straw bills, uh, buy uh, probably 10, 15 different uh, colors of pumpkins. And in my mind, it's the pumpkins and the color that go extremely well with the farm uh, with the farm fall decoration thing. They even come for the bales? Yeah, we, we sell bales as well, like the small little uh, straw bales, yes. Hmm. So, uh, John, you know, we talked about the different things that are good for, and you said they're largely for decoration, but it, you obviously got into this for a reason. So sell us on the pumpkin. Like, beyond the decoration, do you enjoy foods that are made from pumpkins? And, and like, beyond pie, I'm trying to think of what that might be, I suppose. Soup, maybe? Or, like, what else can we do with them? I think the most interesting one I've had is a soup, uh, a taco soup that we actually cooked inside a carved pumpkin. We'd, uh, oh. We cut off the top, we hollowed it, emptied it like a raw pumpkin, we baked it, and then we dumped soup in there and further baked it, okay? It was just an absolutely oh. interesting and a fantastic dish. How big of a pumpkin would that have been, John? Can you tell us? I think. I think what we did is went with that six, seven-inch diameter. Yeah. But I say the, the uh, varieties and the different ways you can prepare pumpkins are endless. Wow. And so what and about... I know, I know the pumpkin pie is the most traditional thing around, and I always wait for pumpkin pie in fall, okay? But the it's pumpkins being used in, in cookies and bran or in muffins and et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, there's a lot of pumpkins being used in a lot of different types of cooking. When you see the the pumpkin spice craze that has developed over the recent years, I guess it probably started with the pumpkin spice latte, but they've got pumpkin everything now, and they start rolling it out earlier and earlier every year. I think they launched the pumpkin pumpkin spice lattes in August now. Um, when when you see how big it's of a craze this has become, like what was your what's your reaction to that as somebody who's been involved with pumpkins for a long time? You know, some I enjoy that stuff, and obviously because of me growing it, me knowing where it comes from, and knowing that the uh, the pumpkins don't necessarily come from a big uh, box store, okay, that they actually are being grown on the farm, and knowing what goes into it, that absolutely adds to my enjoyment of the pumpkins, whether it is in uh, in any of the, uh, the foods that come out nowadays. Hmm. Let's talk about that. Is it hard to grow a pumpkin? I mean, I didn't get. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, John. I tried a garden this year, and I think I got like. A bit of lettuce, three onions, two beets, one cucumber. Like it was not a good venture by me. So is it? What goes into growing a pumpkin? I would put it this way. I would put it this way. Your two uh, beets that you grew must have been lonesome in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough of them. So do you like have to water a pumpkin patch or what? Oh, absolutely. Uh, This year it was an absolute must to water. Uh, Pumpkins do take a lot of water, and. and I won't go into a lot of detail here, but if you go into some of the uh, competitive pumpkin growing, um, you could babysit them from morning till evening. And uh, and even this year, we grew uh, what I'd refer to as a mini large pumpkin, like we with a large uh, uh, species, okay? And the uh, the uh, uh, the pumpkin that we grew, I think, was around 360 pounds, okay? It, it's, a, it's a good-sized pumpkin already. And even that pumpkin, we would give a five-gallon pail of water per plant every day like throughout summer it's just incredible the amount of water that those uh, pumpkins will take well i'm looking at the world record for the largest pumpkin ever and it's about 2700 pounds but uh, roland manitoba is obviously very famous for its annual pumpkin fair and uh, the largest one i see that has ever come to roland is 
pretty big too, over 1,700 pounds. Now that came up from Minnesota, but what is it about Manitoba that allows us to uh, grow these uh, gigantic pumpkins? Is there anything in the soil or the water, John? Um, no, it's uh, a lot of it is in the technique and, and the knowing what to do with your pumpkins. Uh, number one, if you want to grow a competitive pumpkin, you have to start it early. Uh, some people will actually put a mini greenhouse in the garden, like a four feet by four feet and four feet high, so to uh, warm up the soil ahead of time to plant that thing and keep it growing. And as it gets larger, increase the size of the greenhouse. And then beyond that, a lot, a lot of uh, a compost really helps. Uh, water is an absolutely essential. And, uh, and even then, the small little techniques such as only one pumpkin per plant, okay? Even if you've got various vines going 20 feet this way, 30 feet that way, you stick it to one, you stick to one uh, a pumpkin per plant, so all the nutrients go to that one plant, okay? And, uh, and then uh, uh, what, what we do as well is on the, uh, where the vines split up into two vines, we'll actually cover it with dirt and have them grow down, uh, a root down at that point as well. So they draw nutrients from various areas of the plant uh, circumference. John, if we want to purchase some penner pumpkins, is there a way to do that? Uh, what was the question? If we want to, if I want to buy some penner pumpkins, oh, yes. What we have done now, the next two weekends, uh, we will set up a, a shop right on Highway 12 again. Just a small little stand we have, and have our pumpkins on display there, just north end of Steinbach. We will be open there on Saturday as well as on Sunday for the next two weekends, yeah. John Penner from Penner Pumpkins. Right now, now our supply is uh, dwindling down. Crops were obviously less this year, but there is still good selection. John, thank you so much for talking to us. This has been wonderful. We really appreciate the time. Very good, and you enjoy this beautiful fall weather we have. We will do that for sure. Thank you very much, John Penner from Penner Pumpkins Farm Store in the Steinbach area. It's I'm nine sold. F- what a I'm delight. Back pump- I'm back in the pumpkin game. Were you Four out? Four hours ago, I was like, I don't really know if I get this beyond the decoration. I want to have that soup. Get me a roasted pumpkin, put something in it, cook it again, feed it to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. That sounds cool. What a neat way to enjoy pumpkins. Brilliant. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.